Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Interesting topic today. Been looking forward to this conversation for a while, but the Ravens hired two new assistant coaches, both of whom will have an impact on the passing game. I'm going to let Dev explain some of this to you. Dev Panchwell, one of the longtime friends of the show. Dev, really happy to have you back. Hey, uh, appreciate it, Ken. Uh, we, we meet again pretty soon here, but timely topic. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to talk about it because it's something uh, that's weighed on my mind for the better part of three, four weeks here uh, since they made the announcement of these hires. Okay, you've got an article out on this topic right now? I do. It's at uh, Russell Street Report, and um, simply the article, we, we, I think we published it. So it was right around the time I was on your podcast last time out, uh, so just around the same time to talk about cornerbacks. But, yeah, the, the, the gist of the article, uh, it, because when, when the Ravens hired uh, or announced that they hired Keith Williams and T. Martin, it kind of got my interest level up a bit. Uh, now, I guess just to backtrack a bit, you know, these hires were obviously made in the efforts to replace David Cully, Cully going to Houston to become their head coach. So, uh, but at the time, it was interesting because T. Martin's name was already out there in the kind of the ecosystem of uh, a coach that was available. He, I think, his contract expired from uh, Tennessee. He was the assistant head coach there. They hired another. They hired a head coach, a different head coach. So, uh, the point is, uh, his name I had already had in my head a bit. Uh, I didn't know a ton about him, but just 
T. Martin, you remember him from his his uh, days playing quarterback, quarterback winning a national championship. But I know he's a respected coach as well. And then there was some talk that he could be up for the head coaching position there, and that didn't work out. Um, Keith Williams, I'll admit, I had no clue about at all. Uh, when the Ravens announced the hire, I did kind of look into his background, and, and when you peel the onion. It's pretty exciting the work he's done uh, with some of the biggest and best receivers in the game. So the point is, is that, yeah, that article for me came about just kind of doing some research, but then looking at the landscape here with the Ravens, their receivers and how these guys can really make a difference. And so that's where the uh, kernel came from. All right. Which of these guys you want to talk about first? Let's jump into uh, Keith Williams. Uh, I find, you know, it's interesting because uh, I think if folks know at this point in time, <laughs> Keith Williams was named the pass, uh, I guess the pass game specialist or the pass coordinator. Uh, what that exactly means, I don't know. <laughs> right. We didn't know for Roman either when he was run game coordinator or tight ends coach or whatever when there was a different offensive line coach. Yeah, totally. So it could just be a title that helped get him in the door. Mm -hmm. um, what he, you know, again, getting back to some of his background, he's worked, I, I think to this point before the Ravens hired him, he was labeled a wide receiver guru, but he's working on an individual level uh, was, I think working, if I'm not mistaken with the arena league or something to that effect before, but then he has a background coach in Nebraska as a wide receivers coach there. Uh, but the point is, is that he's a little, he's kind of uh, like the whisk, the wide receiver whisperer. He's, he's his latest, uh, the latest guys that he's worked with was Devonte Adams uh, and off and on during what has turned out to be a, a record breaking kind of year for him or mm -hmm. his, his milestone season. And then prior to that, he worked with Sammy Watkins. He worked with Tyreek Hill. So he's worked with the chiefs receiver. So he's kind of carved out a niche as a go-to receivers coach that works with these players individually and what, what you take from what i take from that is that without outside of their structure that's how much trust and that's what his reputation has turned into that these receivers who are the top of the you know kind of the the, the, the totem pole have thought to reach out to him and yeah. improve their game yeah, that that's a big deal, and and obviously, you know, the guys who have the the individual success, Joshua Harris, obviously the big a big one with uh, working with um, Jackson during the off season, right? Uh, would be that kind of thing. But his he's followed a very typical path for an NFL assistant coach. It's not a glamorous life, you know. Played at San Diego State in the early '90s. He's by the way, he's not a young man. He's either 48 or 49 years old. I'm not sure which. So he's he's coming to this job as a receivers coach at an age that's older than Harbaugh was when he's hired as head coach at age 46. So mm -hmm. this is a guy, you know, he's a, he's a seasoned coach, not an old guy like Cully was or, or Dallas Sandris, not a young guy like Sean McVay or any of the other prodigy type coaches. This guy really paid his dues in the college coaching ranks, Solano College, one year, San Jose State, four years, San Jose City College for four years, Fresno State, three years, Tulane for three years, Nebraska for, I'm not sure exactly how many years, but I have 2015 to 17 in the, mm -hmm. in the media guide thing I'm looking for. So he's been around and didn't start his coaching career immediately after his playing career either. So, you know, this is, it's, you know, he's a, he's a late, late blooming coach, I would call him. Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, it's, a, it's not a straight and narrow path at all, which is what really intrigues me about him. But there's something about him that has clearly 
uh, you know, he's been able to carve out this niche and there's something about him that these receivers gravitate towards and he's working with them on an individual basis. And, uh, I, I would say, and then maybe, you know, I'll, I was curious to get your feet, you know, your thoughts on this, but we'll talk about T Martin first before we dive into the Ravens perspective, but sure. it is not a, on the, on the face of it, the hire of him is not necessarily like does not match up with kind of how they've approached this before. Because if you look at, again, his background, uh, he, he's a hustler. He, he's coached. He, he obviously has a passion for it, but it's not like he's coming from an NFL, let alone, like, like you said, most recently it was Nebraska, but it, it's, it's kind of scant in terms of his, you know, his overall like program and college experience even there. So, that, but that being said, if you're good, you're good. And clearly there's an output mm-hmm. here and there's results here that uh, you can't deny yeah, he he has a history. He worked with Ryan Grant at Tulane, which is a guy Ravens fans will remember him as a guy the Ravens signed on the opening day of free agency or the opening couple of days of free agency, and then they uh, backed out of the contract. Or the contract didn't get signed. He, I think it was he didn't pass his physical. That was the reason given. Um, they they really had overpaid on the contract as well, so it's probably a good thing that he didn't pass his physical. But it's I think a four year twenty eight million dollar deal they'd signed him to. So he's he's bounced around the league a little bit. Ryan Grant has since uh, with uh, Indianapolis and Oakland and not done a whole lot. Uh, that was one player he worked with at, at Tulane, and then he also had some experience at. Uh, Nebraska, and I'm trying to remember who the who the player he worked with was. Do, do you have that? I actually don't have it in front of me. And funny thing is, I was trying to I was trying to see where what, what he did in Nebraska in terms of the, the receivers he worked with there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that that that's interesting with Brian Grant, of course, uh, and working with him. Regardless of the fact that it didn't work out with the Ravens, he's been a pretty you know he's been a solid I'd say slot receiver type guy in the league. So, um, but yeah, the the, the work recently is really just where I think things have kind of taken off for him. Uh, and it, it's just, uh, you know, I think when, when you look at this as, as a, mar- a potential fit, um, you know, with the Ravens in general, and then kind of, kind of, again, snagging him, if you like, um, to bring him into this structure, it, yeah, it, it speaks volumes, I think, to the respect that they have for his work too. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Now you want to talk about T Martin some? Yeah, let's get into T. Martin again. Uh, a little bit more, um, you know, j- just in terms of name recognition, it's, it's yeah. there. But you know, he's he's he was a former uh, OC at USC for quite a bit, and so that was um, that's interesting too because his time there overlapped with when they had some talent at uh, at receiver in particular. But um, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Robert Woods, uh, he worked with Juju Yoshester, uh, so. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit there in terms of the players and, and kind of the connection he made there. But, uh, I think what's in, what's interesting to me, and he was also the wide receivers coach at Tennessee along with being an assistant head coach. But what's interesting is, is that he does have that OC background. Mm-hmm. So it, I think he brings quite a bit to the table. He's, he's obviously, a, and he has also worked at Kentucky going back pr- uh, prior to USC. So with or, Randall Cobb at Kentucky with, too, with Randall Cobb and, um, Cobb, as, as you know, kind of 
former quarterback, right? So he mm-hmm. he's a great kind of sample of the, I guess, some of the work that T. Martin could do with a guy that wasn't an, even a natural receiver at the position. So he's evolved into one of the best slot receivers in the league over the last 10 years or so. So, um, but yeah, it, it, when you look at his uh, resume, it's, it's pretty cool because again, he has the offensive coordinator slash, you know, kind of specialist role too. So he could pivot in a couple different ways. He's coming in to work with the Ravens receivers. Uh, again, I don't know if there's going to be some overlaps in their roles uh, or, or I know that they both know each other from their latest uh, interviews uh, that they conducted with ravens.com. So that's an interesting as well. But T Martin seems like a very well thought out guy uh, respected coming from the college ranks. So is this someone that the Ravens also are, are you know, kind of the, the timing is right with him. And is he, is he someone that could take the next step up through the NFL ranks? I, I'd be curious to see that, but uh, he's got a strong resume as well. Yeah. And that's, it's a consideration. And I think that they need to have at least a couple of guys who can be part of the succession plan on the offensive side. And they have some guys who aren't like Dallas Andrus is not, he's a great offensive line coach, but I I don't think he's in line to be the offensive coordinator in any way, shape or form. And a lot of people just don't have that. And they had wink very fortunately. They, they knew what they had. I'm sure at the time in the past, they've had multiple guys uh, under Marvin Lewis with Jack Del Rio and Mike Nolan, uh, who were who were kind of ready to take that next step? Rex Ryan, then a little bit later, um, you, you know, the Ravens have been good about on the defensive side of the ball having options. What they've typically done on the offensive side is to go outside the organization to find their next OC. Roman was kind of breaking that rule. Uh, yeah, completely. So that that has been the pattern, but you could argue that it's kind of created a little bit. It's it's created a, a little bit of a lag in terms of continuity. And now all of a sudden you take you take the same approach that you have on defense. You kind of line up an OC for the future or someone who, again, is going to have a pretty prominent role. I love this strategy because with a guy like T. William, uh, with a guy like T. Martin in particular, you get him ahead of the, ahead of him becoming uh, a bigger name or, or a higher, hotter commodity. Uh, elsewhere, right? Yeah. So they, they they struck while the iron was hot. I know some of that is kind of just good luck on their end because, or, or I don't know if good luck's the right way to phrase it, but the fact is is that David Cully left. Martin had an issue with his staff, so things kind of lined up similar to Anthony Weaver. If you think about it, like I don't want to deviate, but it's it's a similar circumstance where again, he was a free agent, and I think had he gone anywhere. He would have uh, start, you know, continued to climb the ladder. It just so happens that he gets this unique opportunity to go to an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a win win. Yeah, it's I, I I think the continuity point that I'm hearing interwoven in here is is very important. Is that on defense in particular? Let's let's start with that because Ravens have always been successful there. It's never been a question of moving from one year to the next and not really knowing what's up. But Marvin Lewis. Uh, stayed that extra year in 2001 when he thought he, but he should have been a head coach. Then he had that ridiculous year in 2002 where he was paid by Dan Snyder before he got the job in 2003 at Cincinnati. But the Ravens already were very much into a succession plan at that time. And they had Nolan, who eventually became the, the defensive coordinator. And they had uh, Jack Del Rio went off to the Jags shortly thereafter, but was in line in the succession plan. And when you have that kind of continuity, Nolan is going to bring the things he really likes about 
um, Marvin Lewis's defense, he's going to keep those. The players are going to understand those. The players are going to already relate to him as well as they can, um, you know, from being a positional coach. And I think you, you, your, your expectation is good. You mentioned the lag. That's important. You bring in new systems, new terminology, new everything. You just run the risk that the players either don't accept it or don't process it or don't, you know, absorb it, whatever you want to call it. Oh, for sure. If you just look at Joe Flacco uh, in that frame time frame, I mean, from the get go, they they had Cam Cameron, of course, but then Caldwell and he's in five years, and yeah. so so that there was some continuity there, but again, the philosophies uh, offensively, I, I don't know to what extent those were like one to one, and then you have Kubiak who who comes in, he brings in his system, uh, like a Trustman, and he has a different system. There's some similarities, uh, but there's also some, like in the case of Cam Cameron's office, that, that was pretty different to me. Uh, you know, if you look at it, so it, it's, it is, um, one of those things. And with a unique talent, like Lamar in his, uh, right now you know, at his age, uh, as he's going to move forward, you kind of want to try to work a system around him or you want to build a system around him, which they've done. But if they were to kind of graduate that system, you know, if you have someone who understands it from Greg Roman's perspective, but then is able to kind of again expand from there, that could be that could be uh, you know again that that could be a formula for success uh, going forward. So yeah, I, I agree that there's some the the potential to have someone in house already that is understanding it from the player's perspective, but also understanding it from a system perspective uh, is is a great. It's, it's got possibilities to really work out well uh, with, when I think they've had so many of these continuity issues in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these are good if they've, if they've found guys who are young and have a good enough reputation and are moving forward. You know, there's always the potential for com- compensatory picks if they leave. So that's, it's always nice. And I'm not going to say that's the only reason you hire people like this. It's an all other things equal consideration, however. So it should be. And that's exactly why the rule was put in place. You know, so you so you uh, if go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I agree. There's there, yeah, I think I think that's another incentive, of course. But um, what I like a lot about this, too, is that they they kind of, again, dipped in the college ranks. Um, and let's be honest, like they've gone through some retreads. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Marty Morningwood. Greg Roman's not, I wouldn't necessarily call Greg Roman a total retread, but he's been around. They, um, they've gone in a different direction again for positional coaches, granted. Uh, but, but still like, I, I mean, when you look at the Ravens, when you look at Harbaugh's hires in the past, I think there is, has been tendency to find guys that he knows, uh, fully that have been on his staff or have had strong ties to people he knows, whether it's his brother or whomever. Right. What the Ravens have not done. And they really have not done this with any that I'm aware of is to hire that 26 or 27 year old coach that that's a true prodigy, you know, a future head coaching prospect started, you know, wasn't really a good enough player, knew, knew for sure he wasn't headed to the NFL, immediately became a graduate assistant out of school. And, uh, you know, that kind of coach has eluded the Ravens in terms of hiring. The closest thing they've kind of had to it is, is Matt Weiss, who was really Harbaugh's secretary. I don't want to put him down, but I mean, that's basically what he's using assistant to John Harbaugh. And then he, he slowly got a little bit more responsibility in terms of some modeling efforts and was made running backs coach. And now he's quarterbacks coach at Michigan this year. Yeah. So, one of the many that left this yeah. 
the staff. Yeah, to your point, no, I agree. And I don't know that T. Martin is that person either, but I think, again, it's it's uh, going outside of their, their stream. And I mm-hmm. believe it's worth tracking, and I believe it's worth calling out, and I believe it's uh, – I'm excited for him. I think this is such a, a wonderful – It's a great opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, so, uh, again, just – think that there's um there's some things here these these hires are worth noticing from the ravens perspective uh but yeah that that that's in a nutshell what where these guys are coming from let me let me jump to this where is your what would be a win for you in terms of of the ravens young receiving core that they currently have forget Corey davis or whoever they might otherwise sign but in terms of the young receiving core what would what would be a win for you in 2021 uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 let me take it, uh, at all four levels. Okay. So all four players, so we start with Brown, Hollywood Brown. I think a win would be him going, uh, uh kind of finishing some of the plays he left on the field last year. But if you were to talk about the, the coaches and their influence combined with his output or his, you know, his performance, I think it's it's some of those details that he lacked, and, and I noticed last year, for example, just little things like being being able to keep maintain your your footwork when you're making a sideline grab and not going out of bounds, right? Like or just being uh, like a step in front on the ball. These are some of those details, little little things that I think that Keith Williams, T. Martin can work with him on, and if he finishes those plays or he figures out the timing with Lamar, you know, coming back to the football, that's a little bit more uh, of a chemistry thing, but mm-hmm. could these guys have some influence on that? They, they definitely could. I, I could see that. And then you look at, uh, and I don't know what, you know, whether they've had discussions with them or not or anything, that's kind of just us guessing. But like, if, if they were to talk to him, they just worked with Tyree kill. Like we said, they work with Devonte Adams. They worked with Sammy Watkins, Watkins and Hill, their games are very, you know, there's elements of their games that, Brown has. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm not expecting him to put up big, big numbers. I don't even know if that that's offense lends to that, but if he can finish some of those plays that he left on the field, even half of those plays, right. Some of those deep balls he didn't get to, or just again, negate some of the drops. Uh, I think you're looking at at least a thousand yards, eight, you know, getting back in that eight, nine touchdown, you know, kind of zone, but beyond the numbers, that's, I just want there to be more impact or finishing some of those plays. I was looking for something else here. And, and, and that really is, do you think T Martin as an ex quarterback himself, who's obviously played very well at the college level, um, you know, won a national championship at Tennessee would have a natural relatability to Lamar. You don't want him to replace James Urban, but maybe to basically, instill some trust or be a better linker of trust between receiver and quarterback. Cause I think in a lot of cases, certainly in Boykin's case, trust has been a big issue. The other thing is to just to trust your receiver to go get the football and, and have Lamar focusing on out throwing the defense is a big concern with this group with a couple really fast guys like Boykin and Brown. I just think out throwing the defense and then trusting your receiver there is, is a, is a great way to succeed. Yeah, actually uh, that's a really good observation because there is a, a lack of trust because we know that Lamar trusts Mark Andrews. Uh, and so there's a lot, been a lot of discussions behind the scenes, percentages, how often he targets the tight ends and him in particular, how often does he give the 50, 50 ball chances to, to Andrews? But 
I, I think macro, yeah, if you're looking at it, uh, I could see that being, you know, I think Martin's influence being uh, uh, credible, right? Mm-hmm. By that's played the position, I can look at him. He's been successful. And uh, like you said, not to replace James Urban, because in a way, it seems like all these coaches are going to have uh, collaborate and work in the same space to bounce things off of each other. And if Urban is better with the mechanics, maybe some of the mechanics, like maybe that's the focus point. Maybe, uh, you know, again, T Martin could give him, it can help with chemistry that that's just not quite evident right now with the receivers and Lamar, like being able to, to just lop, throw that ball up for, for, for Boykin to go get. And I, and I agree that there's a disconnect that the staff and the front office has probably looked at and said, there's, we got to change something up here right. going forward. So hundred percent could see that. T. Martin's influence could go both ways. Yeah. Excited about that prospect. Uh, do you want to talk about any of the other receivers specifically? Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, Boykin we touched on. So it's interesting because um, there was a quote that Keith Williams had uh, when he was interviewed by Ravens.com recently, and he said, uh, and I know this is his mantra, which is that there's an element of, of working on the tool set that the receivers have, the skills. Then it's matching that up with the mentality. And I'm worried about that mentality. I hadn't heard anybody put it that way. Great soundbite. <laughs> it's a great soundbite. It's rem- and, and so can I, before the writing my article, I did read up on what Devontae Adams had said about Keith Williams. And he said the exact same thing in, in his own way, right? So mm-hmm. his point was, uh, I worked with Williams and he helped me understand that I have to attack the defender before he attacks me. So there's this whole like almost, again, like uh, the mentality a mentality, but almost like in a, like a Sun Tzu kind of way, like art of war kind of way, like getting the receiver um, in that mindset. And I think Boykin is like the the, the kind of uh, number one guy I thought of when he when he said that because mm-hmm. I don't have anything to back this up. I don't want to pretend like I know Miles My- Boykin at all. But if you just watch him play at times, um, you know, I, and this has kind of gone back to college days. He doesn't always play up to his size. He's not like dominant, right? So, and I don't know. He's a run blocker. That's it. Yes, yes. But if you look at, I mean, Chase Claypool, for example, in in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. What to me, those two guys are the like they came out of the same group. Right. It sets them apart. I think Chase Claypool just goes and gets the football a little bit more, and and maybe he has more opportunities, and that's a fair argument too. But. I like. Uh, I, I think there's something to work with uh, if they can get Boykin to start playing uh, uh, like that dog mentality. If you want to just put it that way, right? Um, he's still going to need more reps. He's going to need more opportunity. But I think it's an interesting uh, match, and I think that Williams could get more out of him. Right. I, I I do think you're exactly on the money with that comment about Boykin. And one of the things that I'd like to see more is him to use his physicality off the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's, that's something. There's no way that an opposing defender should be able to reroute a player like Miles Boykin, who's got a lot more length for, to dictate that first contact. And he should be he should be any guy who comes up in press coverage should pay a price against Miles Boykin for doing so. I mean, jam, jam his shoulder, get to the inside, get that inside leverage you want, beat him on the slant for a 30-yard gain and see if he does it again. I mean, I just, I, you know, there's been all kinds of things about him being a slow acceleration player that has a high top speed. I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. What I think the problem is basically that he doesn't decelerate the opponent in, in certain situations. I completely agree with your comment on that. 
Yeah, there's a space issue for sure. And if you think now, again, this is all based on our study of very limited um, attempts. Granted, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's been times when uh, if it is a contested or, or, or there's a situation where the defender's right on him, do you, you wonder could he have gotten a little bit more space to work with just by boxing the guy out, just being able to kind of impose his will? Um, and again, that's where. I think Williams, you bring in someone who's uh, super technical, like a savant on the technique, uh, how to run the routes to get the release. But also, Devontae, I mean, he's not Devontae Adams, but just, again, he's a big receiver. Adams is a big receiver who kind of understands how to use that aircraft. I think you've used that. Aircraft carrier size, sure. Aircraft carrier size, right? Boykin has that, too. So, I mean... I, does, will it translate? I don't know, but I'm just saying that I think we both are saying that there's um, potential there for sure, and he's got to work on that. Yeah, I mean, some tight ends are often known for being good basketball rebounders where they're really able to box out with their body better on a lot of plays. And Todd Heap had some of that, although he wasn't the greatest ever for certain. Um, uh, Dennis Pitta probably had a little bit less, I'm going to say. Uh, he had a connection with Flacco. Uh, Andrews has some of it and is pretty good. And and but Andrew's yeah. biggest thing I'd say is that he's pretty fearless going up for the ball. Right, I think going up for the ball high. He's he's not concerned about his rib cage all the time. Um, I, I want to see us have that one tight end who just basically there's no room here. There's a brick wall between you know you then me and my back and my wide body yeah. and, and and this football. You're not getting through it. Yeah, I almost think back and it's not a tight end, but you know the way uh, Anquan Bolden operated, which was yeah. textbook, just. Mm-hmm. There was a, an ability, like you said, the power forward move where you're just, I have the ball, I have the space, and for you to get through to me, you're going to have to do something special, which isn't going to happen more times than not. I would like to see, I don't know, like 10% of that. I'm not be asking a lot, but Anquan Bolden in that 2012 playoff run, the, the thing I remember most about it, the, the third and one catch, one of the touchdowns at New England, both of them had it third and one, the Super Bowl. Um, the defender got his arm in there, you know, the way Marlon Humphrey would get an arm in there. And, and it's just like your arm could get broken off if you do that. And and it didn't matter because Anquan wasn't giving up the football. or wasn't getting it dislodged. But, you know, that kind of physicality would be great to see out of Boykin. He certainly has the body size and the, um, you know, the physical traits that he should be able to do it. Yeah, and again, this isn't totally in his makeup. Bolden is the extreme example, but I there's been glimpses of it there. I mean, he had a good, I think, jump ball in that Seattle game, uh, mm-hmm. 2019. The catch in the Dallas game, the touchdown, he had great recognition of the the high point of the ball. Mm-hmm. There's, there, it's there in some some level, right? And I think it's a matter of can Williams and Martin tap into whether he can be more consistent and then the back to the trust uh, point, can Lamar trust him more? Cause Lamar also, I think has passed on some chances to throw him the ball when he has oh, for sure. post and he's there and he's open. So it's, it's both. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. 
for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, and there's been other times, honestly, where where Boykin has betrayed that trust in in a way from the quarterback's perspective anyway, by, you know, the the, the interception in the Tennessee game was right. a classic one of he didn't track the football well, but he could have gotten back to disrupt the play. And yes. Andrews has has shown an ability to do more of that, particularly in 2020 than 19. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. You look at T. Martin, and I hope he's able to relate a quarterback's perspective on how a receiver needs to help his quarterback. Whether that means extending a player, coming back for the ball, boxing out, doing all those things that make you a presentable target to the quarterback. And it's not not that Keith Williams won't know these things. It's that Martin is actually teaching you from a very relatable. I used to be a quarterback. That's what I look for. Perspective. Oh, totally. And that's where I think they can really work well together because, again, Williams is – he's going to focus on the things we just talked about, route running, positioning, how to break break off the route, uh, and, and, and more, right? Like there's a lot more on the technical side that I just can't – you know, I would, I would be doing a disservice to break it down like mm-hmm. here beyond just general stuff. But, uh, yeah, but then you have a, a more of a psychology element or there's other things there, and I, and I could see – and to your point, when you talk about the receivers not coming back to the ball, I thought for the first time in the playoffs, I thought Hollywood Brown did that. A couple mm-hmm. times in the Buffalo game, he, he did a great job a couple times just making himself available, coming all the way back to Lamar's sight line and snatching the ball. And I was excited because I was like, okay, I think the light bulb was going off a bit. So now can all these guys do it? And we, if we jump to the next guy, Duvernay, there's another ball, deep ball against Tennessee in the first game where, again, I don't think it was all his fault, but could he have done a better job of tracking the ball downfield on that interception in that game, which turned that game, I think they had a 10-point or 11-point lead at that, at that point. But he's another person who mechanically, uh, I think, needed some work coming out of college just as a route runner, his route tree, uh, a little more basic. But what he brings to the table, he's got tremendous physical ability. And both coaches have already commented on that. I think both have said that he's explosive uh, and physical. So I think he has to work on those nuances. And this this is a perfect player for them to um, shape and mold because if he can get that down with his route running and kind of improve and kind of just understand some of those things, tracking the football downfield, uh, I, I could ex- I could see him taking a, a good step forward for sure, and in, in Prosh's case, it's more I think he has the nuances down as a route. Right. Now it's back to again, can you get a free release? You're a small guy. How do you deal with physical cornerbacks? How do you deal with physicality in the next level? That's a, that's a really interesting thing because I I, I would I certainly would have agreed coming out of the draft that Prochet was at a spot where he did the right things to get off the line of scrimmage, most polished route runner and probably the best hands of the guys they had available at that point in the draft. And and maybe even on the Ravens, if you compare him to some of the other guys, he, he still has very good hands. Problem has been, I, I'm afraid he might be tipping something at the line of scrimmage or in the way he does things because the Steelers were twice able to get in, in three passes thrown to him all season. The Steelers took two of them back to the house with pick sixes. 
and he caught oh, one ball. It's, you know, yeah, there's some, that's just oh. something's going on. <laughs> it's 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 uh, hard to hard to overlook that. There must be there there could be something for sure there like that that needs to be ironed out. I mean, it's not just a coincidence of of those occurrences, but uh, yeah, he he is someone uh, that I think can get open in zone and kind of sit down in zones. So I'm curious, like, uh, and he's a little bit more, I think, I think he's a little bit more um, of a slot receiver all the way. Whereas Duvernay, I could see, you know, going inside and out. So because of his size, his ability to, to, to run down the field or, or run those uh, nine routes and kind of go outside the numbers. So the question, uh, and that's a different question, you know, tactically, how do you use them? But uh, I do think, and, and this is a point I wanted to make, Ken, um, for the fans out there. Duvernay and Proch, don't think of them as third and, and sixth round picks. Now, both of these receivers were drafted in a draft that was extremely deep, if not arguably the deepest draft for receivers ever. Recent years, yeah. Or, or yeah, recent years for sure. And it's just Duvernay in this draft could have been a second round or Proch could have been an earlier pick. I know Proch, and, and this is according to people that study it, I know could have, they've said that he could have gone you know, two rounds earlier. So the, I think exciting thing is both of them have tr- tremendous physical skills, like explosion, uh, approach is already a pretty good route runner, but they know how to use their speed to decelerate and get some space. So the next thing is they're working with two of the, they're working with these two coaches. Now, I think there's some upside for both of them. I don't know, again, getting back to numbers and production, I don't know how much that's going to par- uh, play out in this offense, but long-term, I think both uh, of these receivers have the skills um, to to they're they're not Clarence Moore's of the world or whoever the one. <laughs> no offense to Ozzy, Devar, Devar Darling. Yeah, Devar Darling, guys that couldn't get open, that didn't really like they were they were big receivers that that uh, you know they they didn't have good hands, they didn't run good routes. These guys actually have good hands, they run good routes for the most part. They have speed, they have explosion, so there's something to work with there. Yeah. It'll be exciting to see what happens with these guys. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Dev. Uh, always a pleasure to have you. Tell us where folks can find you on Twitter. They can find me at Dev Panchois and uh, pretty um, psyched with free agency coming up. Uh, I am not the guy to come to for the draft, but I'll get up to speed on that. <laughs> it's a lot to weed through. But yeah, free agency, you want to talk with, to me about who the Ravens could potentially uh, sign or what players make sense. Uh, I'm up for that discussion anytime. So they can get at me there. And, and yeah, please do follow up and read this article. I uh, would love to talk more about these coaches and what you think could happen. All right. Outstanding stuff. I uh, want to tell people out there, we're still working through the positional reviews from 2020. We'll have the free agency uh, previews after that. We're going to have Dev on for one of those. And uh, Dev, appreciate you coming on the show again. Yes, uh, always. Thanks so much, Ken, for the time and the forum. I appreciate it. Okay. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Thank you. 
At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.